We will be in John chapter 21 today, but I, I want to just say I appreciate that song so much. You know, Jim Simbler wrote a book years ago called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be caught living off of yesterday's or last year's anointing or 20 years ago anointing. I need it today. And I just love that song, and uh, I appreciate you guys and all you do. John 21, and as we close out this series on the book of John, I hope it's been beneficial to you, especially those who have, I should say especially, that's not the right way to say it, but I, I hope as you have been following along in your reading that it's not just what we're preaching up here, but the Lord is doing something, stirring something, awakening you in something. And most of all, you can get to the end of this series and maybe even say, not only that's the Jesus I know, but it's the Jesus I know better than I did seven weeks ago. I hope that for you. But today, we're going to be looking at John chapter 21, and I want to set it up real quick, and I'm not going to read it. I just kind of give you, you can go back and read it if you haven't already done that. But it's Jesus, he's going to appear to the disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. It says it's the third time that he's appeared to them. Now, I don't know what all they're doing. I don't know what all instructions for sure Jesus has given them at this point. So they're hanging out on the Sea of Galilee, Peter and John and, and uh, I think five others, and we can, you can, we can name those off, but I won't do that right now. But they decide, Peter goes, you know what, let's go out fishing. Now, we don't know, again, I know what I don't know is, has Peter gone back to fishing, or is it just something he knows well, and so let's go get some fish. But whatever it is, they go out at night, and they fish all night. And don't catch anything. That sounds like my life of fishing, to be honest with you. <laughs> How many of you ever go fishing, and you just don't catch anything? You know, you just go, what, who like, why do people like this? This makes no sense. Uh, but they go out all night fishing. And I'm going to guess even, because you're going to hear the words of Jesus here, or I'm going to say them to you, is that, we're not going to read that part, but they may have well thrown the net on the right side, the left side, the right side, the left side, the right side, the left side, and they've done it all night. And they caught nothing. But here comes this voice from the shore at dawn. Friends, have you caught any fish? Do you think he already knows? <laughs> but isn't Jesus that way? He asks us questions that he already knows the answer to. That's great leaders do that, you know. Uh, he already knows the answer to it, but he needs them to realize it. It needs to come out of their mouth. They need to, it needs to be there in front of them. And obviously they hadn't. He said, well, why don't you throw it on the right side? Now, at this point, they don't even know for sure it's Jesus. It's just a little later in the story you see that it's Jesus. So they throw it on the right side, and it fills up their net. Big fish. They're blown away by it. And then John, the one that Jesus loved, he would say, he said, hey, I think that's Jesus. <laughs> and Peter goes, I think you're right. It doesn't say that, but you know that's, he just jumps off the boat, 
They're 300 yards out. They're a football field out. I mean, they're, they're 300 feet. They're a football field out. And he comes swimming. It says swim, I guess, but I don't know how deep it was. But he comes into Jesus, and finally everybody else comes in. And you wonder, they, they're thinking, you wonder in that moment when they threw the net on the right side, if they were rolling their eyes a little bit going, we know what we're doing out here. But we're so exhausted of trying to do it our way, we're kind of open to just trying something else. You ever been there? You've tried it your way, and you're exhausted, and you finally hear the voice of Jesus going, why don't you try this? They get to shore. They count the fish. And it would have been easy, as most fishermen do, exaggerate. But Scripture says there was 153 fish. Not 200, not 100, around 100, not around, no, 153. And I have a feeling why it, we know it was 153, because I think the miracle of what happened burned into their minds so much that they sat there and counted. Man, look how many we got. There's one, two, three. They counted them because they were blown away by what had happened. And then Jesus makes them breakfast. What if I told you tomorrow, you can have breakfast with Jesus? That's where we pick this up. Verses 15 through 23. When they had finished eating, when they had eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time. And, of course, there's a lot of things that go with the third here we're not going to get into, but three times. Do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you were wanted. But when you're old... You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved was following uh, them, eavesdropping. Who knows what's going on here with John? We don't know. He needs needs to write a book, right? I want to write a book someday, so I need this information. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked him, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Just follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among believers that disciple, that disciple, John, would not die. But Jesus did not say that, that he would not die. Only he said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
Everything's going good at breakfast, right? We're having breakfast with Jesus, seeing him for the third time. Everything's going good. It's awesome. Until he says, Peter, I need to talk to you. This conversation, I think it's times as, as I put myself in this story, if you will, and that's what we ask you as you read the scripture, what would it be like? What would, what would that feel like to be sitting in Peter's position, knowing your, what's happened? Jesus asked him three times. Peter denied three times. So I'm going to hopefully approach this by going, if I was looking at this and what's, I'm having this conversation for, with Jesus, what am I getting out of this? So the first thing I look at here is Jesus wants Peter's attention. Has Jesus ever got your attention? <laughs> I mean, he says to him, Simon, son of John, instead of Peter. So if you can read scripture, he says Peter different times. But I have a feeling Peter's hearing him say this. There's potential. Peter's going, okay, this is not starting out well. It's kind of like your parents yelling for you to come into the room or sit down or come here. Kurt Sidney Gentry, Kurt Sidney, I think it had a little bit of that feel to it. And he asked him. Now, if I'm putting myself in this situation, I could go a lot of places with this. We're just going to hang on to Peter right now. Do you love me more than these? Disciples. Peter, do you love me more than your occupation? Fishing. Peter, do you love me more than they love me? And if you were sitting there, what would be the questions Jesus would be asking you? Kurt, do you love me more than social media? <laughs> and for me, that'd be easy. If I'm talking about, put yourself in there. Kurt, do you love me more than your comfort? Kurt, do you love me more than your family? Throughout Peter's journey, he's been quick on the draw. Open mouth, insert foot, right? Over and over and over and over. But it's interesting the way this interpretation comes down. Peter's a little more hesitant. He doesn't have this, Jesus, you know I love you. It's a little more reserved. And because, I, I think because he had denied Jesus and stumbled so many times and failed, if you will, of what he thought his commitment was, and he found out that he was weaker than he thought he was, he was going to measure this answer. He had overstepped his character, too many times. So Jesus asked him three times, 
I believe in this moment, his self-confidence is a little wrung out of him. I don't think he knows at this point, in any form or fashion, that God is going to have him on the day of Pentecost preaching. He's so far from there. Attention. Attention is a powerful force in the world. You know, being heard is not enough. But having someone's attention is a whole different thing. Like today. The words that I will share, you, you will hear. But it doesn't mean you're going to pay attention to them. I've been a pastor long enough to know that I've been put in, I say put in, the Lord's led me into situations where people's got, there's some type of crisis going on in their life. Something has their attention. And one of the things I learned early on was, and I'm not a counselor, so don't ever come to me for counseling, but I do feel like I can help coach sometimes through life. And there are some things I can bring to the table, but one of the things I realize is, One of the most powerful things you can do for that person in that moment is to shut down everything else you can possibly shut down and focus on them and let them know they matter. And you pay attention. The reason why we use the term pay, because there's a sacrifice to it. We have to give up something else so we can have attention. What does that mean in our relationship to Christ? What else are we going to have to give up so we can pay attention? So if Kurt Gentry's sitting down across from Jesus, eating some fish and loaves for breakfast, he begins to ask me that question, Kurt, do you love me? More than blank. And we live in a day and age where relationships, I think, Obviously, we know we see the division in our culture. We see a lot of different things going on, but I'm even talking about close relationships. The distractions that keep us from paying attention to the people who even mean the most to us, husband and wife, kids and parents. and Attention is a powerful, powerful force. What would it take Christ to have your undivided attention. One thing for sure is, for Peter, Peter had to nail this down because where Peter was about to go, this could not be in question. This could not be something he was straddling the fence on. It could not be something he was wondering about later. He had to know that he is focused on the call that Jesus has on him. Second thing is, is to listen. Once you have it, once he has your attention, then you need to listen. <laughs> Jeff talked about it a few weeks ago. 
an awesome job in, in, in bringing the word about the Lord, his people, his sheep will know his voice to listen. That means we may have to cut out a lot of other things to be able to hear. But for Peter, and the scripture says that Peter was hurt after Jesus kept asking him, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Then I need you to go do what I've called you to do. Do you love me? I need to make sure of this. And Peter was hurt. And he says, you know all things. And then Jesus goes into this next part. Yeah, Bubba, I know. But I need you to sit down. Because what I'm about to tell you, how, what, what, I'm about to tell you what your future holds, and it's not looking good. <laughs> so we need to make sure you're listening to what I'm saying. I've got your attention. Now I need you to listen. And so Jesus, as we read here, tells him, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. When you were older, and what he's doing, he's predicting Peter's death by crucifixion. Tradition indicates that Peter was crucified for his faith. That's, that's our understanding. Ten of the 11 disciples die a martyr's death of somehow. John dies old age. We understand. But Peter dies upside down on a Roman crucifix. And so what he's telling him, he's predicting to him, I'm telling you, this is what's in front of you. If you listen to me and you follow me, that will be the end result. Now, what we think sometimes, I think for some of us, we think that this was really quick. Like Peter was told this, he went to Pentecost, he did this and that, and he led the church and all these kind of things. And in a few years, four or five years from, from there, uh, Peter died by crucifixion. John Wesley says, the best he can tell, Peter probably lived another 36 years. Between three and four decades after this being told to him, with that kind of hanging over his head, and no doubt being threatened multiple fronts along the way. We don't know all of it, but he lived another 36 years. Despite what he just told him, he gets to the end of this. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. There's a high cost to not listening. There's a high cost to misunderstanding what Christ is asking of us. There's a high cost to thinking that Jesus only is here for our comfort and our safety and misunderstanding. Because the follow me is going to look different, right, for each one of us. Because that's what he says to even John, uh, to, about John. G John, again, eavesdropping, whatever. And it'd be the third thing is the call. Attention, listen, the call. I think one of the hardest parts and not only is Christ getting my attention sometimes a hard part, but one of the hardest parts about following your call is making sure you don't compare it to somebody else's call. 
And then you start wondering, well, how come I don't get to do that? How come I don't have that in my, you know, my treasures? How come I don't get to? And it's something that can really cause you to begin to stumble in following after Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As you begin to compare. I mean, you read the scripture in the book of John. Is it fair that John can be called the one that Jesus loved? Of course, that's John writing it. I get that. <laughs> but I would say this. I've heard that over the years. Is that fair? And, and, and what I would say about that is, is that the difference is, I, I'm just, again, I, I, I don't know this for sure, but we could say that if we were looking at it that way, that somehow or another John is Jesus' favorite. But I think it's really the other way. I think Jesus became John's favorite. John was not wavering on where his attention was. Peter had. And so I think for me, as I read this, it's about, this happened in youth groups over the years. Well, you got favorites in your youth group. No, I think I became their favorite. They would show up for everything. They would come and sit in my office, and they'd sit at the front of the van, and we would talk about deep, deep life issues. They didn't become my favorite. But what I loved about it was, I think somewhere along the way, I kind of became their favorite. I don't know that sounds not like a god, not like I'm up here on this pedestal. You know what I'm saying. And I really think that's the relationship that John had with Jesus. Jesus was his favorite. And so as we try to wrestle with the entrappings of comparing our call to someone else's call, Jesus makes sure to Peter, if that's what I want him to do, if, that's how I, if he gets to live forever, what is that to you? You know, there are certain words I don't want to hear from Jesus, but that little phrase would not be one I'd want to be sitting across the table going, you, didn't, you need to pay attention. You look me in the eye. What's that to you? you? You don't look over there anymore. What is that to you? Attention. Listen. Understand the call. Transformation. Obviously, Jesus knows everything, so he knew Peter's heart in this, but the, I believe what this whole part of this conversation was not about just trying to figure out what Peter's heart was. What he was trying to do is help Peter take that passion that he has and transform that passion to action and to become the person that Jesus is going to need him to be for that call. Matthew 4, we read at the start of the four Gospels, Andrew and Peter. And Jesus says, come follow me. We close out the four Gospels in John chapter 21. Follow me. At what point did that change? Nada. But didn't that follow me in, John, in Matthew chapter 4 where Peter's on the shore fishing? 
and he's back to the shore again, sitting with Jesus, just been fishing. Aren't those, even though they're both follow me, they look different now. When Jan and I and a few of our sponsors took 25 kids to Mexico in 1992 for the first thing we ever did significant, as Christ was saying, follow me, what that follow me looked like and what that follow me looks like today is different. But it's still follow me. And the reason why it looks different is because it has to be change. It has to be transformation. We have to grow into the continual call of follow me. Because if I was just the leader, and I don't mean that in a minimizing way, just the leader I was in 1992 and what are the leader I am today, it just wouldn't work. <laughs> As I said earlier, fresh wind, fresh fire. We can't live off of last year's or last month's or last. It is the fire falling now. Peter goes from a loud mouth, boasting, trying to find another word to use there, but foot in your mouth kind of guy, to this humble servant would be preaching not only on the day of Pentecost when the fire fell but he would be standing in front of the religious leaders and just saying, do I listen to you or do I listen to the one who's called me? Who would know over 36 years or whatever that number is, there would be this hanging over his head that he is going to die much like Jesus did. Because he says, they'll stretch out your arms. But he had to be changed. John. You think about John. He is the he is the the the, the, the disciple of love, or the apostle of love. I mean, he is the son of thunder. He wanted to call fire down on a town. Now I'm telling you, he wanted to call fire down, wipe them out. Now I will say this about John. I, it's unfortunate for him. He goes from sons of thunder. The apostle of love. I'd rather be son of thunder. But anyway, no, but, but seriously, he had to change. My point is, he had to continue to change. He had to walk. He had to have his, Christ had his attention. He had to listen. He had to follow the call. That he would outlive all of them in that sense. I don't know the dates, but I'm talking about he, he had to live and continue to Put the words down and to listen. He who has ears to hear, John would write, listen, Revelation. Jesus' words to him. That was his call. Attention, listen, call, transformation. And you can move these around, I'm sure. But I believe this whole dialogue between Peter and Jesus was ultimately about restoration. 
don't have the scripture here, but I, I know I could find it. I think it's Max Lucado years ago who pointed it out so vividly in one of his books. We're at the tomb when Jesus told them to go tell the disciples that I'm alive. But he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Hey, bub, we're all right. We're going to be all right. Be sure and tell Peter. Peter's kicking himself right now. Because he boasted so much and he denied. He was weaker than he thought. Restoration. I think we all go through times and seasons where Christ needs to get our attention. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's significant. But the question I think he would ask if he was sitting around across the table from us is, what has your attention? Because it can't be me and something else. Now, there may be other things that flow out of it. That's okay. But it has to be me. When you're looking me in the eye and you're looking across, uh, you can't be listening to other voices. Uh, Louis Giglio has a book out now called uh, The Enemy at Your Table. If you're sitting down at the table with Jesus, looking at him, you can't be listening to the enemy. You need to stay focused. And what has he called you to? Are you willing to be changed and transformed? restored, that that right relationship with Christ that you know you're walking, as as Dr. Dan said last week, that ever-present Christ, that he is with us, and we are aware of that in all the decisions we make each day. I love that song, Lord, I Need You. I love the song Overflow also. I don't know when the last time we sang that song here. I can't even remember. It's been a long, long time, I think. But for whatever reason, this week that verse, that course has been going through my head. That's it. Every present, every day, decision-making, Lord, I need you. Every hour. I need you. Won't you stand with me as we close this morning? Ask the sign him, come on up. For you this morning, as I was talking, I hope. It made a little bit of sense. But has he gotten your attention on something? And maybe, just maybe, you need to come this morning and kneel at these altars and just pray, as we often do. But as you begin to 
Put yourself into the story. Maybe you're sitting on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Some of you have been there. You can picture it. You can smell the sea. You can smell the breakfast that you've just eaten, and now you're full, and you sit there, and you're just talking to Jesus. And yeah, he's a little cutting on the edge of, of uh, hurting your feelings. But as we say often here, Jesus loves you the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. So as he began to ask, what has your attention? Is it him alone? It can't be, okay, I, I've, I'm in love with Jesus through somebody else. In other words, I'm using somebody in between. No, I'm in love with Jesus, and that's it. And if it's only all that's ever is, that's enough. Have you put anything above? Do you love me, Kurt? Do you love me more than these? And now as he has spoken to you and begins to speak into your life, listen. Reality is most of us will never die a martyr's death, and that's not really what the point of that is. But Romans 12, 1 and 2, says a view of God's mercies, brothers and sisters. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. That is your reasonable act of worship. No longer conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because if we listen, the desire to live in that good, pleasing, and perfect will begins to arise, begins to make sense. The call begins to become clearer. The transformation into Christ's likeness becomes more and more evident as we walk and we sit at the table or at the, uh, on the side of the sea or however you picture it. That he continues to restore us not only back to right relationship with him, but begins to restore, use us to restore relationships with others. But sometimes it starts with a simple phrase, Lord, I need you. I'm not going to make it unless you're in the middle of all of it. Some may need today to ask for forgiveness of how far away off you got. You were weaker than you thought. But his grace and mercy are stronger begins to restore restore we just pray today Lord as out across this room and those listening we pray your Holy Spirit fall as we've prayed for this service Lord that it would move and stir and awaken and we have our attention focused on you 
Lord, thank you for this group of people here today, Lord. Some we may never see again. Some we hope will come back that are maybe first time, or Lord, but in between that have been here for years and years. But fresh wind, fresh fire, that only comes from paying attention to you. And we ask for that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I lead us in a course, and then we'll I'll come back and close this.